Thank you, Gackenbach family, and good morning again. Welcome again to the Neighborhood Church live stream, whether you're watching live or watching this a little later. My name is Jen Ashby, and this morning we are continuing our Foundations series. At the first church where I served, I was responsible most Sundays for making the announcements during the worship gatherings. And uh, from time to time, I would use a prop or part of a costume to communicate the content of the announcement. And once I did that once or twice, then every ministry area kept asking me to do more and more extreme things to announce what they wanted to announce for their ministry. So the children's ministry was preparing for vacation Bible school, and the theme that year was going to be under the sea. And they asked me to make this announcement in a full wetsuit with the mask, the goggles, the oxygen tank, the flippers, and they wanted me to come up out of the baptistry tank, in the service, out of the baptistry tank to make the announcement. And our tank was actually in the platform. It was normally covered uh, by floor panels, but they wanted me to just like come, move a floor panel, just come up out. So I said yes to the costume. I said no to coming up out of the baptistry. So the Sunday came for this to happen. We had two worship services. So before the first worship service, I'm in my uh, bathing suit, struggling to get into this wetsuit, which I had borrowed from someone who was at least eight inches shorter than me. And I struggled and strained and worked to get this thing on. I worked up a sweat to trying to get into this wetsuit, finally got in it, got the stuff on, went to the service, made the announcement. Some people laugh. The really serious people frowned, did not think it was appropriate for me to be wearing a wetsuit in a worship service, Uh, but we got through it. In between services, I uh, changed into my regular clothes. I went across town to talk to a youth group, came back, getting ready for the second service. I'm once again trying to get in this wetsuit. It had been such a struggle that first time, uh, and someone suggested to me, it's actually easier to get into these if you're wet. So our church had showers, so in my bathing suit, I got in the shower, I got wet, I got out, I started trying to get this wetsuit on again. Being wet did not help. Being wet actually made it worse. And again, I'm struggling, I'm straining, I'm trying to get this thing on to no avail. Can't do it. Impossible. One of our students came into uh, the restroom, her name was Nicole, and she, uh, I recruited her to help me. So now there's two of us pulling, tugging, straining, finally getting to this thing. By now, I'm exhausted from the whole ordeal to the point that I can't hold up the oxygen tank without just totally bending over, which kind of, I can't make an announcement when I'm... So I recruited Nicole to come with me right behind me, holding up the tank and kind of shuffling behind. And so we entered the sanctuary as kind of this unusual team, and I made the announcement once again. Some people laughed, some people frowned, but everyone knew what the theme was for Vacation Bible School that year. Why am I telling you this story? Excellent question. The Bible says that once we say our first yes to Jesus, We are meant to be on a journey of becoming more like Jesus. And Colossians describes that journey as taking off the old self, things like anger, idolatry, lying, 
and putting on the new self, being clothed in things like compassion, kindness, humility, love. But this journey of becoming like Jesus, this taking off, this putting on, is not so much like coming home after work and changing out of your work clothes into your favorite jeans. It's more like trying to get out of and into a too small wetsuit when you're wet. It is impossible. We absolutely cannot make that kind of change on our own. And that is the very bad news. But the very good news is that Jesus doesn't leave us on our own to do it. In this foundation series, we started by talking specifically about neighborhood church, and now we've expanded a little bit to talk about our denomination, the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And last week, Pastor Mark shared an alliance tagline with you that goes like this, all of Jesus for all the world, all of Jesus for all the world. And last week, He focused on the second part of that phrase, all the world, and the Alliance's commitment to go to the least reached people and places with the gospel. Today we're going to be talking about the first part of this phrase, all of Jesus. What do we mean by all of Jesus? What we mean is that when Jesus died on the cross for our sins and when we said yes to that gift, Much more happened than God forgiving us and preparing a place for us with him in heaven. Jesus is our savior, but he is also much, much more. And in the Alliance, we summarize the much more with the phrase, the fourfold gospel. Jesus is our savior, sanctifier, healer, and coming king. Sometimes we refer to the much more as the deeper life. In the Alliance logo, the cross in the middle represents Jesus as our savior. And then the cup or the laver that's on the right represents Jesus our sanctifier. That cup would hold water used for daily cleansing. Sanctification is a word that we do not use very often in our language, so what does it mean? Well, quite literally, it means being made holy. Sanctification is being made holy. If you've not yet said your first yes to Jesus, we would love to talk more with you about that and help you take that step when you're ready. But if you have said your first yes to Jesus, you know Jesus as your savior, then there are two things this morning that I want you to also know about Jesus, our sanctifier. The first one is this. Jesus has made you holy in God's eyes. Jesus has made you holy in God's eyes. When you said your first yes to Jesus, a whole package of good things happened. One of those things is that the Holy Spirit made you spiritually alive and came to live inside of you. You can read about that in John 3, 5 and Titus 3, 5. 
If you've said yes to Jesus and he is your savior, then the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. You are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. We could do a whole series on who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do, but this morning, just remember that the Holy Spirit is a member of the triune God. We worship one God in three persons, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they always work in concert. They always work in coordination with each other. Another thing that happened to you when you said your first yes to Jesus is that you were sanctified or made holy. 1 Corinthians 1-2 says, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Notice that sanctified is past tense here. Paul is writing to the church, to those who have said yes to Jesus, and this letter goes on to make it abundantly clear that these people still have some issues to work out. And yet, Paul is saying they are already sanctified, holy, past tense. Paul is referring here to what happened in the spiritual realm and how God sees the believer. During our Roman series, we talked a lot about how when we say yes to Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus gets placed on us. It's not our righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus that gets placed on us. We are justified. We are reconciled to God. We are redeemed from sin and death. This is our position in Jesus. Praise the Lord. And I hope someone is saying amen. We call this positional sanctification. Positional sanctification. No, Jesus has made you holy in God's eyes. Secondly, I want you to know that Jesus wants to make you holy in your experience. In your experience. While every believer in Jesus is indwelled by the Holy Spirit, not every believer is filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled is the word that we use, but it might not be the best English translation. It appears in places like Ephesians 5.8, which says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Again, in Ephesians, Paul is talking to believers who already have the indwelling Spirit, there's something else that Paul is getting at here. The word filled in this case means controlled. Be controlled by the Spirit. When you are drunk, you are controlled by alcohol. Alcohol is in charge. What Paul is saying here is surrender to the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to be completely in charge of every part of you. When the Holy Spirit is not just in you, but in charge of you, you begin to experience more and more power over sin, more power to do what God is asking you to do. Until we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we may struggle 
with sinful habits. We may struggle hard to do what God asks us to do, or we may just give up. Until we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we might not have that sense, that feeling, that assurance that we really belong to God. Or we might not experience much joy in our relationship with God. But when we are filled with the Spirit, we find increasing power over our own sinful habits. We find that we are able to take off the old nature and put on the new nature, something we absolutely could not do in our own power. Remember the wetsuit. We find we're becoming more like Jesus in his character, in his ministry. We're becoming more holy, more sanctified, not only in our position, but in our actual experience. And we call this experiential sanctification. Sanctification is not only talked about in the past tense for believers, it's also talked about in the present and future tense. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 to 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Notice here that God is the one to do this. And it's not past tense. It's still to come. He will do it. In the Alliance, we understand the Bible to depict this experiential sanctification in two ways, as a crisis and as a progression. For many of us, when we say our first yes to Jesus, we're saying yes to knowing that we're sinners, knowing that Jesus died for our sins, wanting the forgiveness that he offers, wanting him in our life, definitely wanting to be with Jesus in heaven when we die. And there's usually something in there about following Jesus or his lordship, but often that part is a little vague at that point. This is all true. This is all good and right. But very few of us understand at that point that we're actually called to a full surrender of every part of our lives. And when we do that and invite the Holy Spirit to be completely in charge of everything about us, that's when we receive the Holy Spirit's power to be and to minister like Jesus, really experiencing what he means for us. Almost every week at Neighborhood Church, we say, we are people being transformed by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and launched on mission. And here's the thing. We don't get the empowerment of the Holy Spirit without the surrender to the Holy Spirit. We don't get the power of the Holy Spirit without the surrender to the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit's empowerment is the power to do what he wants us to do. Not necessarily power to do what we want to do. For most of us, this first time full surrender, if we do it at all, <laughs> comes sometime 
after our first yes to Jesus. It can come all at the same time, but for many of us, it comes sometime after. I'm going to use Romans 12 to talk about this, and I owe this teaching to Terry Smith, who is the vice president for church ministries in the Christian and Missionary Alliance in the U.S. right now. Again, Paul is writing to believers here in Romans chapter 12. These are Christians in Rome. He says in Romans 12:1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. The word offer here, offer your bodies to God, it's in the aorist tense, meaning this is a point in time, action or event. And when you think about the imagery here, that makes sense. A sacrifice in this culture would have meant slaughtering an animal or bringing some grain laying it on the altar and burning it. That happens at a point in time, and when it's done, it is done. Romans 12.1 is describing a first-time full surrender or crisis. But we said that sanctification is both a crisis and a progression. Sanctification is also a daily surrender, a daily cooperation with the Spirit's work. Because there will be things that we surrender to God and then we take back. <laughs> and then we need to surrender them again. There will be things that are new in our lives that we didn't surrender to Jesus because those things weren't there anymore. But now they are. And we have to surrender them. We have a gravitational pull to try to do things in our own power. And so daily, we're called to consciously choose to depend on the Holy Spirit's power. Let's look at the next verse, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. The word renewing here in the original Greek, is a participle in the present tense. It keeps happening. Renewing keeps happening. Romans 12, 2 is describing an ongoing surrender or progression. So what will be the result of this crisis and progression of sanctification? Well, we see that unfold in the rest of Romans chapter 12. It results in Understanding God's will, verse 2. Humility, verse 3. Operating in the spiritual gifts, verses 4 to 8. And we believe that all of the New Testament gifts are given to the church today. It results in being devoted to each other in love, verse 10. Having spiritual zeal, verse 11. Joy and patience in trials, verse 12. Generosity and hospitality, verse 13. And on and on it goes through the end of the chapter. This is not about the eradication of sin in this life. This does not mean that we become perfect in this life on this side of heaven. But it is a life that is more and more and more like Jesus. When I was a little girl, I was a planner. 
And I planned my wedding. I planned the house that I would have built. I chose the names of the children that I would have. I even made lesson plans because I thought I was going to be a teacher. I said my first yes to Jesus when I was 12. That's when the gospel clicked to me. And that yes was real. It was genuine. It was sincere. But basically, I also held on to all my plans. (laughs) And I really thought that I had the power to make all those plans become a reality, and I expected God to bless those plans. When I was 22, a series of things happened in a short span of time. The end of a romantic relationship, the death of my dad, there were numerous other factors. And in the words of A.B. Simpson, the founder of our denomination, at 22, I came to the end of myself. I came to the end of my self. My planning and my power did not produce what I wanted. And when I was 22, I wasn't part of the Alliance. I didn't have any of this language about sanctification, but I know that in that season is when I made a first time full surrender to God. And I surrendered my dreams and my plans And I said, God, I am in for whatever you have for me. And after that, I began to experience God in some new ways I had never experienced him before. And the quality of my ministry started to change. Something was added to it. Now, since that time, I've had to surrender many times over again. And I'm still learning how to daily cooperate with the Holy Spirit's transformation and empowerment. The point of the message this morning is not for you to know the Alliance perspective on sanctification, although your handout will help you to do that. And the goal of this morning's message is not to try to force a framework onto your story and try to get you to identify someplace in your life that was that crisis or first time surrender. Rather, the point of this message is for you to know that if you said yes to Jesus, Jesus has made you holy in God's eyes. You are cleansed. You are forgiven and free. You are justified. And Jesus wants to make you holy also in your experience, in your actual life. You're not meant to keep struggling in your sinful habits or to feel powerless to do what God's asking you to do. The Holy Spirit stands ready to not just indwell you, but to fill you to take the control that you offer, to take charge and to empower you. And the doorway to that is a first time full surrender, giving over every idol, every secret, every relationship, every memory, every plan, followed by that daily practice of ongoing surrender. If you've already made a first time full surrender, praise the Lord. And if not, today can be that day. And for all of us, today can be the next day in the ongoing 
progressive experience of sanctification. As the worship team leads us in this song, if it is the posture of your heart to surrender, if it is the posture of your heart to release your grip on anything you may not have already turned over to the Lord, then I invite you to put your hands out and your palms up. And as we sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I want you to rethink what you mean by here. Here isn't just the room that you're in, although having the Holy Spirit in the room that you're in is a good thing. I want you to think about here as yourself, your life. I want you to think about inviting the Holy Spirit or welcoming the Holy Spirit over here in this part of your life and over here in this part of your life and back here in this memory. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in every part of our lives, in every part of our lives that you bring to mind this morning, in every part of our lives that you don't bring to mind this morning. This is a full surrender. This is a full surrender. And we invite you to fill us and to take control.